You're about to listen to an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, which comes to you free every single week over on geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy helping us keep this show free, and I know you do, pop on over to patreon.com forward slash geekinthecity, where we have all kinds of levels that get you some fantastic awards and benefits. But if you can't help us out there, just please share this show over on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And as always, our opening and closing theme brought to you by nerd rock group Megathruster. And now, let's get on with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. One, two, three, four! It's been a long, long week. Why don't you spend some time with geeks? So many issues today into which we must delve. Talk about the stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert, we're going more factor 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're gonna save the day. Alright! Welcome to issue 549 of Geek in the City Radio. I am one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Bina Rita. And I'm your other host, Cable Hashitani. And that was George Michael's Freedom being played for reasons. Yay! <laughs> no, we can say why. We can, we can talk about why. You're fun employed now. Yes, I have gone from being furloughed, which happened in March, to being a, like 100% laid off, which does mean I have to like restart uh, my unemployment claim. Like I have to right. start a new one because yeah. uh, circumstances are now different. Uh, and that means I have to actually start looking for a job now. But um, Not too hard. Nah, Ain't no. nobody hiring right now, trust me. <laughs> actually... Uh, you know, I had a conversation about this with my mom a while back. Um, a lot of employers, I think my now previous one included, have been using this as an opportunity to sort of like prune out any any employees that they just don't want to have. And while since, I, since I you weren't a yes man. Uh, yeah, I I don't think that there's any love lost with me putting myself in a situation where I was likely to be laid off. Cause I did say that I wanted other people to have the opportunity to go back to work if they wanted to. Yeah. Um, because not everyone can just say, I'm not comfortable going back to work. Uh, so I guess I'll just let you lay me off. Right. Uh, I, I did have that weird bit of freedom. So I, I took it and it worked out the way I basically hoped it would. Um, I've been talking a lot with a lot of people about how the culture and the environment of that place has changed over the years. And right. it went from being like the kind of place that I had been excited to join. You to, used to really like it there. I had been really, really pumped to be there. Um, but, and I, I'm not the only one who feels this way. I now know is that things changed. Uh, I mean, some people feel like it was very sudden and like, clear and other people felt like it was like a lot of little things over time but the the fact of the matter is that it's it became a toxic environment to work in 
for a lot of reasons for a lot of people. And um, while other people have been stressed about, you know, like job security these days, I felt relief. I felt, you know, unencumbered. So I knew I've known since, since the, the quarantine started that I, I shouldn't go back. It would not be healthy for me to go back. So uh, I guess I got that wish and um, yeah, I just, I look weirdly happy today. You yeah, guys. I'll, I'll open a drink for you. Yeah. I, uh, I poured myself a drink right before we started. Thanks guys. Oh, and, uh, and of course, uh, for all you Portland friends. Not just any oh, drink. Da, da. Oh shit. You're getting, that's going to get crazy today. Da, da. I found the seltzer. No, <laughs> I the didn't know they were Loco making seltzer. seltzer. It was a joke yeah. tweet from like eight months ago, and now it's real. I wish it's... I had known. I would have picked oh. one up specifically for this Spoilers. occasion. This is my second one. I had one at Fun Employment today. Oh. But like six hours has gone by, so and I've only been having water. Okay, smart, smart. In case you're wondering, um, it's not any better. <laughs> than regular uh, loco so it is it does taste like um it kind of tastes like uh crystal light black cherry that really artificial black cherry flavor uh-huh but you know four loco kind of has that natural metallic taste to it that they kind of cover up with their wholly unnatural flavorings and sugar mm-hmm. so remove all those unnatural flavorings and just bear down on that metallic taste that's what it is weird Bear you know down on that metallic it's, taste. Uh, it's three bucks for twelve percent. That uh, apparently only has like hundred and ten calories. So, so in that case, like, would you rather drink these or like a bunch of three dollar bottles of wine? Uh, here's the thing. Um, wine will give me a headache. Me too. It's all the sugar. Uh, I think for me, it's the tannins because I also can't have a huh? cider that's got heavy tannins and not get a headache. Oh, maybe that is it. I don't know. Times the sulfites. Do you know there's more sulfites in French fries than in than in wine? Yeah, but how often do you eat French fries and how often do you drink wine? I eat French fries more often than I drink wine. Oh, but yeah. you're not much of a drinker. And I don't get I didn't used to be much of a drinker. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I forgot we ruined cable. Yeah. Mm. Ruined or made him better. That's right. <laughs> made you gigglier. Yeah, Geek in a City Radio. We're like, what is it? We're like what uh what Oscar Wilde. We're like the absinthe of of things. Like after one, you're like, oh, why do I like this? After two, you're like, oh, this is pretty good. And after three, you see the world how it really is, and then you're upset about it. Oh. I completely ruined that Oscar Wilde quote, by the way. That's okay. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, oh, but to, just to close the loop on that uh, business talk, um, to all of our Portland listeners, if you guys hear about uh, opportunities that sound like they have my name written on them, please do let me know. Yeah, we can do that. What kind of stuff would you want to do? Oh, man. I was just having a conversation with Merrick about this, actually. I I have a, a goodly list of like the things that I do or do not want in my work life. Mm-hmm because I've, you know, had a lot of years to, to figure that out. But in terms of like what industry or what job title I'm looking for, um, I've kind of gotten lost in my own head uh, because I've mm. been in so many industries. I'm not necessarily 
closed off to trying a new one or going back to one of the ones I've done in the past. Um, now, I, I, what I definitely know is that I'm looking for something more behind the scenes. No yeah. more customer service. <laughs> I, I do not want to be a public facing person. I'm much better as a support person than I am a face man. I still think you'd be really good as like a personal assistant. That is uh, yet another thing that Merrick mentioned today. Yeah. I've always thought about it. Uh, I think I'd be really good at it. Um, but the problem, is, the, uh, the problem that I mentally run into is that you, you have to have a good relationship with that one person, you know? If you don't like somebody on a team, you can just sort of try to avoid them or whatever. But as somebody's assistant, you are constantly working and interacting with them. Right. And if it's tense or weird or awkward or, you know, antagonistic, that's a terrible work life or work, work situation. Uh, and I sort of just got out of that type well, of thing. If I ever get famous, I'll hire you. Deal. I mean, it'd still be weird. Because that means I'd have an assistant that would give me that look that you give me all the time. That look that says, damn it, Duran. Yeah, now you're just going to pay me to do that look. If you were a smart entrepreneur of any sort, um, you want someone who does that. You do not want someone who's just going to say yes all the time. Oh, I know. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's why, uh, not to toot my own horn, that's why to this day I still think I was Clyde Lewis's best producer because I was the only one who ever said, Clyde, that's dumb. Don't do that. I get you want to do a fun show, but you know that that's not true. And granted, that was like me in a paranormal show. And I was like, come on, come on, son. But, you know, you surround yourself with... Now that's beyond the pale. Yeah, you surround yourself with yes men and women. And, uh, well, you get what you get. Yeah, yeah. A United States presidency? I was trying to be nice, and I was like, you get George Lucas, but yeah, I guess. (laughs) I'm... I think I have come around on Lucas. Oh, I actually never disliked him. I actually always appreciated everything. I, my, I, my biggest beef with the, with the prequels is always there was, no one, there was no one there that said, I don't know, George. There was no one there to challenge him. Not saying right. that he couldn't do his vision, but there was no one there to ever really challenge him. That's, that was always, And I could be sure wrong. Are you sure about that? What? <laughs> Midichlorians. Are you sure about that? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean... You know, it's his vision and it's his baby. So whatever. But I don't know. I always felt like. There is that. Uh, um, I forget what. I don't re- actually know what the name of the show is. It's on Disney Plus And it's started. Uh, it's essentially a round table. It's of a gallery. Mandalorian. What? Gallery? It's the Disney gallery. But it's right. right now it's the Mandalorian. Yeah. Right. And it's um, John Favreau, uh, Dave Filoni, Taika Waititi. Uh, Deborah Chow and Bryce Dallas Howard just sitting around talking. I guess uh, Matthew was telling me that the second episode, um, the last 15 minutes, Dave Filoni just kind of launches into what, um, what the prequels were actually about. Oh my God. I saw that. Yeah. And everyone else at the table is like, well, fuck, I gotta go rewatch. No, he, he connected all of it. Yeah. About how it's the manipulation of Anakin not mm-hmm. having a father figure and like all these things that like Palpatine did and that that leap he's like the Qui-Gon was meant to be Anakin's father figure he was taking him away from his mom you know by her own request 
And he's like, and when Qui-Gon, spoilers, uh, when Qui-Gon dies, he's like, Obi-Wan trains him, but Obi-Wan's not going to be the father figure. No. Obi-Wan in episode one's kind of a dick. You know, he's kind of arrogant. Well, because Obi-Wan has that line, like, why do I think we picked up another pathetic life form? Oh, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, he's kind of the shitty Jedi, and Qui-Gon's like, Qui-Gon gives that look of like, all right, knock it off. Um, But so... Obi-Wan definitely exhibited behavior that was exactly what Palpatine was always talking about, how the Jedi had become corrupt. Uh, Obi-Wan felt he was above reproach as a Jedi, and he was wrong. Well, and he he changes, too. But the whole thing Dave Filoni said, he's like that Obi-Wan was never Anakin's father figure, and he says it in episode three. They were brothers. Mm -hmm. But Anakin... Sure. He's like, Anakin needed... A dad. He's like, and you, he's like, you watch the entire series and then he realizes about Luke and Leia. He's like, when you get, you know, he's like, when you get to that moment when like his son refuses to cut him down and and the emperor just is mad basically about it. He's like, that's the choice right there. It's not, I'm going to come back to the good or the light side. That's the one time where Anakin says, I can finally be the person that I never had. I can be a father and protect my son. Yep. And yeah, it's like this. It's like yeah, you came. It's like this ten-minute, like, expose that Filoni gives, and I don't even want to call it a prequel apology. He just lays it out there. He's like, right. "You guys were all so mad about Jar Jar and Midichlorians that you missed what George was doing." And I watch it going, "Holy shit!" Sorry, my phone started making sounds for no and, reason. That's fine. Yeah. And then also, I was like, "Oh my god!" I just want Dave Filoni in charge of more stuff. And, which makes the most sense because Dave Filoni spent a lot of time with Lucas. Lots. Like so, he's much like the the conversation that uh, or the interview that um, Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, got n- notorious for, um, where he, like it's an hour long interview, and Star Wars is just a, a twenty minutes into it, but he has that tirade where he's going. On, everyone's like, "Oh, he's shitting on fanboys." It's like, no, he's actually telling you stop thinking you know more than the people that created the thing. I know, that always <laughs> drives me nuts. Where, where he sits there, it's like, look, this is how the force works. And this isn't my opinion. This isn't me coming up with this. This came from George fucking Lucas. He's the guy that made it. Shut up. <laughs> right. You can have your interpretation of it, but in the end, yeah. it, it's, you're wrong. This, Yeah, you're wrong. It, it made me really respect uh, Freddie Prince Jr. more. And then also, I think it's in the third episode of the Behind the Scenes of Mandalorian. It's the one where they focus on the cast. Mm. Um, and it's like super fucking touching because they get... So at the table, it's, um, you know, it's uh, uh, um, Pedro Pascal and Carl Weathers and um, um, I'm going blank on her name and I love her. Uh, Carla... Cara Dune, you're talking about... Um, yes. Um, oh, wow. Gina I Carano. Said, Gina Carano. I almost said Carla Gugino. Yeah. That'd be fun. I, mean, I, I would see, also I like to see, see in The Mandalorian. Yeah. <laughs> I can see where you would have ended up there. Right. Yes. So, um, she's, she's, you know, they're about 10 minutes into the episode, and uh, John Favreau talks about how, like, she didn't even audition. And Really? Oh, no, when they were creating the character of Cara Dune, John Favreau had, like, watched Haywire and was like, she's got a lot of potential. She's great. 
And then he was like, I didn't understand why she wasn't doing more work because she was great in that. And the fucking Steven Soderbergh loved her. He saw something. So why is she not doing more work? So apparently when he was talking about the character and they were doing character designs, they just started drawing her. They show initial sketches in the episode and it's fucking, it's her. And she had no idea that that was the case until that round table. And you see her like, She's holding back, but you can see like, oh, if, they, if that camera lingered on her any longer and she talked anymore, she'd start crying. Because she talks Aww. about how, well, because she talks about basically, and she said this in interviews before, she was like, I had kind of given up. I was never going to be what Hollywood wanted. I'm never going to be small. I'm never going to not be this like, even if she lost weight, she's like, I'm still going to be like this 5'10", like built yeah. woman. I'm never going to be who gets famous. And John Favreau, basically his attitude was like, and you were perfect. Because yeah. they thought, they were like, and like, as I guess, like, they were, they had mentioned, so some other interviews too, like she had thought that they were going to like, want her to like, cut weight. And they were like, no, we, we don't. Like, you're- Just come in. You're like a retired shock trooper who's now a mercenary. Like, you, no. And then they thought she was like, already besides me. And apparently she's used to this a lot in movies where she was like, when they were putting on her costume, she was worried that you could like see her arms. And even when she doesn't lift weights and get cut, you could tell she's got big fucking arms. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. apparently in interviews, she was like, I was about to say like, should, do you want to cover these up? Cause you know, it's not sexy. And they were all like, you're a shock trooper. It, no, that's how you dress. Don't hide anything. And mm-hmm. then she relaxed, like, completely. Um, and apparently all the stunt coordinators, all the fight coordinators nerded out because they all... So apparently he had never saw any of her MMA fights. He knew she was a fighter, but he'd never oh. watched them. But so the he only... He cast her off of just Haywire. Yeah, uh, just off Haywire and a couple other bit parts. But yeah, just off Haywire. That's why he knew. He's like, that was stuck in my head. But all the stunt coordinators were like, oh, we're going to create fight scenes with Gina Carano? Awesome. Damn. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I keep hoping Werner Herzog shows up on that round table. I doubt he will, but... I don't see why not. Uh, because he was, he's... He was weird. willing to do this show. I, I think it's because he's... He doesn't need to. Like, we have heard everyone start... I think he enjoys more having everyone be able to have Werner Herzog stories from the set. Yeah, or just like Deborah Chow just, being able to go. He just started talking to the puppet, and I'm like, dude, you know it's a puppet, and he and he said, "I'm giving the other performer his duel." Yeah, it's like, and that's and the then, interview she's, interview then twenty she's minutes later, like, I was talking to the puppet. I'm talking to the puppet. <laughs> yeah, um, it or, was or, really cool. Or if you're Favreau, you get to say, "Yeah, he told us if we if we didn't make a a real puppet and we went digital, he called us cowards." Yeah. <laughs> so the um the stuff with uh uh when they got to talking with uh Bryce Dallas Howard, mm-hmm. it was real fascinating because that was her first real directorial debut. She'd never directed before. She did, you know, a, few, she did a, really? a damn good job right so, out the gates. So here's what everyone else at the table, they're all directors, they've all directed before. And I remember the episode that she has has a lot of like so she has the episode where they meet when they meet Cara Dune. Yeah. So it's, it's exterior fight scenes, internal fight scenes, like really emotional moments. Like there's a lot going on in the episode. Mm-hmm. Every single director there, including John Favreau were like, 
Yeah, no, we intentionally gave this episode to the new kid because we knew what a nightmare it would be. And we figured if she could swim, she's going to be just fine. And she was like, and, and she was like, I had no idea this was supposed to be a hard shoot. And every director was there was like, yeah, that's what helped you because you'd never directed before. <laughs> so you didn't know what a nightmare that kind of episode would be. She was like, she it was get fun. Head about it. Yeah, you could, that was it. He was like, I knew that if you had never directed before, you were just going to be like, it's going to do the best job ever. Where someone who's directed before is like, wait, you want a fight scene in water with 30 extras? Fuck, because that's a nightmare. <laughs> Unless you they don't know right. what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> yeah. That episode was a great episode. Oh my God. It, it was a great episode as it stands alone and that it also manages to be a great homage to the Seven Samurai. Yeah. Even though there's only two of them. Right. Uh, Jackie Daytona has a good comment. He said, uh, Hollywood wanted her to be like Ronda Rousey and she was never going to be. Oh, yeah, I don't want her to be. No. I guess I just, I want her to be her. Yeah. No, she's pretty awesome. So, hey, let's get her on the show. Gina Carano? Sure, why I not? I tweeted at the last celebrity, so it's it's one of y'all's turn. I'm going to just start emailing him. Um, there's a slight chance we're going to get the director of Old Guard. <laughs> oh, did they reply? Uh, she did. Oh, shit. And then she, okay. tweeted, she tweeted today, and she's like, oh, the trailer drops on Thursday. And I must would have been the first people to like respond. I was like, oh, we're so excited over on Geek in the City Radio. We just talked to Greg last week. Do you want to pop on? But she DM'd me. She's like, maybe. Let me look at my schedule. And I'm like, oh, shit. Nice. <laughs> Good. Good job. I feel like replying, like, that'd be great. You want to see what Charlize is up to also? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> steps. That would be uh, one of those. No, real- no, I'm, I'm kidding. Go big or go home. Yeah, no, fuck it. I mean, look, uh, here's if the thing. this is a time that Greg would well, be 100% behind you name dropping him, this is it. That's why I didn't mind doing it. Look, yeah, this, this is a show 100- that for some reason, like 13 years ago, interviewed Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. And was still what, yeah, was like that. He even told us, he's like, that's the best interview I've had in days. Whatever. Mainly because we didn't talk about the movie he was there to promote or to talk about the show, about the Seinfeld show. We talked about Superman, didn't we? We asked him about Superman. Because I remember telling Scott, I'm like, when we interview him, we're not going to talk about Seinfeld. And like, we'll congratulate him on the movie, but let's just ask him about Superman. When everyone at the table like rolled their eyes at us, fucker talked to us for 20 minutes at a round table about Superman. That was was for the B movie, wasn't it? For B movie, yeah. Well, because every reporter kept asking him, like, have you ever thought about getting back together with your Seinfeld cast? And he's like, why? You guys see us every night on syndication somewhere. Why would we want to get back together? And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. I mean, yep. nothing's ever going to top the reporter at the Christian Science Monitor calling him the Mel Gibson of comedy. By the way, this was right after Mel Gibson's anti-Semitic rant that was caught on tape. Like, no, thank like, you. Like weeks later. It was still that's, in the news. That's special. Oh, yeah, that was something. Anyway, um, to keep in the the Mandalorian real quick, have we all heard the updated casting rumors? Oh my god, I'm almost getting nervous about the casting. No, okay. what's what's There's new just now? So many names. Go ahead, Kevin. Timothy Oliphant has now is rumored to join the cast. And Merrick looked up today because she 
she first heard about it and is immediately like she still wants Cad Bane to be on this show. Ooh. I'm right there with her. That'd be like, righteous. Is he going to be Cad Bane? She looked him up today. He's apparently car- playing a character named Cobb uh, Cobb Vrath, who was a peacekeeper that came out of uh, a- after the Battle of Endor. Like a, he's basically a local sheriff, um, but he's wearing familiar-looking armor that was raided from Jabba the Hutt's palace. Oh, is he wearing uh, the Lando armor? He's wearing Mandalorian armor. As in, like, fat Mandalorian armor? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And then, of course, Tamara Morrison is also part of the cast. Um, Reportedly, Tamara Morrison? Yes. He played Jango Fett and Mm -hmm. all of the clones. All of the clones. Oh, okay. He could be. He could technically be. He could technically be Rex, couldn't he? He could be because this is only five years after Jedi, and they've established that Rex survives survives Jedi. It is the unofficial official word of Dave Filoni that Rex becomes takes on the name Pathfinder and is the character in Return of the old old man in Return of the Jedi on Endor. Yeah. Which is why he looks the way he does in Rebels. Right. Um, That's also uh, why when when Greg Rucka did that Shattered Empire tie-in comic, the special forces unit that does the raid after Endor are called the Pathfinder Commandos. It's it's Rex's squad. Oh, yeah. interesting. Um, so he could be playing Boba. He could be playing Rex. He could be playing both of them. I mean, technically, yes. Yes. Because Boba is a clone, but not... He's an unaltered clone. clone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, and then the the other bit of uh, the other rumor that Matthew was mentioning to me is they're also considering bringing in Harris and Dula. Really? Yeah. Mm. Which kind of ties a lot of things together. If you've already got Ahsoka Tano and Bo Katan. And Boba right. Fett, <laughs> you're clearly addressing things that were part of what just happened at the end of the last season of Clone Wars, right? Um, and what ties into Rebels. Mm-hmm. But this is still so. By the time of Mandalorian, though, Thrawn and Ezra are still out there somewhere, right? In theory. In theory, yeah. They've never. That's the one loose end they'd never tied up. And there's still rumors that the fifth there's a, going to be a fifth season of Rebels, right? Well, because oh. that last season of Rebels, I mean, spoilers. We don't want too much. I'm not. I'm going to be super vague here. Thank that you. Last that last scene of Rebels jumps forward ten years after Jedi. Did it? I think See, so. I'm, I'm like in the- one of the very <laughs> final shots is the and we're going to find as the line is and we're going to find Ezra. Mm, and I okay. think it's 10 years after Jedi. I think. And Mandalorian's five years after Jedi. Yep. So I'm still convinced that the, the, the Mandalorian blacksmith is Sabine. I don't know why. I just keep thinking that's her. That, w- that makes sense. It kind of does. Yeah. She'd be the right age. Mm-hmm. Um, she... 
I mean, it would explain a lot. If she had spent more time blowing things up in the episode of The Mandalorian that she was in, or, or that Spain, would be or the gra- dead giveaway that it was Sabine. Yeah, or graffiti. Yeah. Although she was very, very specific about symbology. That is true, and the blacksmith is very... But you could also say that that's apparently is a Mandalorian thing. So it, it is, but you, I mean, you saw how she would just listen to the story and go, this is your sigil and this is why. Yeah. Because of the story you have just told me. So has, has anyone else been watching that behind the scenes on Disney Plus? Uh, no, but I, I'm gonna. It's so much fun. Yeah, I need like, to You can that. tell that like Disney's trying so hard to create new content for people right now since no one's going to the movies, no one's going to the park. It's actually kind of cool what they're doing, but I love the directors in the director's episode, which is the first one they when they get to uh, Taiki Watiti. Mm-hmm. Like he's super jovial the whole time. When they cut to his specific interview, he's like, "Yeah, I don't know what I." He's like, "I don't really want to talk about it. It's a group of unprofessionals. In another way, we're on a movie set. This Star Wars thing. I'm just doing him a favor." He's it's a joke though. I don't care. Is he just always on? Is he always doing? I think he's just always on. Always. Yeah. It was pretty great. Um, Like there was recently a a photo that surfaced on uh, social media that um, of it's essentially a a puppy pile of Chris Hemsworth, um, Loki, and. Taika Waititi, just all napping. Oh, the napping, yeah, yeah, the napping pile. Apparently, that happened all the time. Yeah, and and photo by um, Bruce Banner. I can't remember people's real names right now. Um, I know what you mean though the Hulk, yeah. the Hulk. Yeah, Bruce Banner. I said that. So yeah, uh, yeah. So apparently, <laughs> on set, uh, Mark Mark Ruffalo. Thank you, Jackie Thank Daytona. You. I will not get tired of saying that. Um, so apparently. Um, Taiki Waititi can fall asleep anywhere. And they give him shit about that. Like, you know, because I'm mean, on a major film set, like there can be hours between setups mm-hmm. where there's not a whole, there's a lot of hurry up and wait on a major motion picture set. So apparently if he sits down too long, he just falls asleep. And Sounds they're like, like a military how? man. They ask him like, well, how could he go into such late nights? The crew is like, because he sleeps half the time. If he's not actively working, he daps. He gets a bite, he goes to sleep. He's like, every time That's we have efficient. to find him. No, they're like, we're the director. And they're like, oh, well, look under trailers, look under an umbrella, like look for like, his, <laughs> look for his feet or his sandals. And he's just, Tycho, time to shoot. Oh, right. Okay. Great, great. <laughs> but yeah, apparently there's a picture where like, he fell asleep in his trailer and Chris Hemsworth, went, the story goes that Chris Hemsworth went to go look for him and found him, that he was sleeping. So he went and got, uh, what's his name? The guy who plays Loki. Loki. Yeah. His name is just Loki. Just Loki. <laughs> and I guess the story goes, was like, do I wake him up? Tom Hiddleston. And apparently they both decided it would be hilarious to just cuddle up with him and take a nap. Apparently they all actually fell asleep because they were all fucking tired. And as the story goes, like Mark Ruffalo is like, sees like these three dudes like on, you know, this trailer couch, just all like, like literally all cuddled up like kittens together, just... Yeah, like, uh, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that picture. Yeah, Chris and Tom are both hugging the same pillow on opposite sides. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, Taika and Chris have their legs intertwined. It's just kind of cute, it's, it's like, so sweet. Cuddle, like that, cuddle. That's what you need to see. Like, that's that's the kind of 
male camaraderie that needs to be seen more often where it's like, yeah, cool. That happens so much in theater. You just sleep where you can. If there's a pile of bodies, yeah, you know, screw it over. Yep. Um, it's like that. And I love the image of when they were shooting, I think when they were shooting the defenders, Jessica Jones teaching Daredevil and Luke Cage how to like knit. <laughs> there's a picture of them all in their ch- and they're all watching her and nice. she's doing it and they're all like, okay. <laughs> That's something with like, you know. That's another efficient use of your downtime. It is. Or like, you know, fucking Vin Diesel teaching Judy Dench how to play D&D. <laughs> to where she apparently still runs games for her grandkids. Yep. So precious. I love all the nerds. Hey, what are we doing on the show today? Um, I thought we were just going to do more of this. Well, look, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm legitimately happy for Bean because I feel like you actually look better than you have. Not that you looked bad, but I can already tell the stress is not there. Yeah, I mean, I there's I'd an aura stopped, where you're like, yeah, I'd already sort of stopped stressing about it. Um, although I will admit to having done a ritual yesterday that I would hoped would sort of push things along. I know, and I that and I'm uh, and so I, proud of you. And that did I that email did come, my notice uh, did come like two hours after I'd done that. So I'm magic, you guys. Look um, at your witchy powers growing. Woo! Uh, no, but I look extra nice today because I have this beautiful new lipstick from a place called Necromancy Cosmetica. Oh, I'm gonna. Yeah, I love everything they do. I don't uh, even wear like, that much makeup, but I'm gonna go there right now. Check them out. They make some gorgeous stuff. It's literally like a witchy female-owned uh, cosmetics company out of Puerto Rico. Yes, thanks, Lindsay. I'm not going to say that my computer already knows me, but I literally typed necromancy and then put in the letter C, and it just filled it in for me. Boom. I don't know how to feel about that, to be honest. Yeah, they had a sale, and everything, I, I, I had to, like, pare it down to just two. Um, I kind of feel like I should start wearing more makeup. Do whatever you want. Yeah, whatever. You I don't even have anymore. a boss. You're your boss. Is your boss going to tell you you can't wear that? I mean, they might, because sometimes my boss has conversations with me. Well, according to the Oregon Unemployment Department, I mm-hmm. do have a boss, because I had to fill that out. They wanted to know why Aaron Duran was no longer working for Aaron Duran, and did Aaron Duran quit working for Aaron Duran, or was Aaron Duran let go because Aaron Duran couldn't have clients for Aaron Duran to work with Aaron Duran? Yes. It was a really fucking <laughs> weird letter. Uh, <sighs> yeah. But anyway, beautiful makeup. Um, it's interesting that we spent uh, a goodly amount of time talking about Dave Filoni today because Wikipedia tells me that one of the things uh, that he is best known for is his work on a little show called Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. Which I didn't know. (laughs) I I did not know that that was something he was very well known for. (laughs) Sorry. Wait a minute. Ruby Rose is leaving Batwoman? Yeah, I just saw that. What? Yep. The How story broke. The story broke twenty minutes ago. Oh my yep. god! Would you? You can't have Batwoman without Ruby Rose. They haven't. Oh. Does it say why? One theory. Apparently, she's received a lot of injuries on set, and she can't. She's worried about her physical. I mean. I get that. I'm hoping it's not for shitty reasons. I mean, her leaving, whatever, but if she's like, look, I'm, I'm getting beat up and I'm not healing, 
and I know that that production company is pretty safe. So, I mean, but it's still. I was going to say, yeah. I'm like, is it, is it a recovery issue it, or is it that she, like that, that the set is not practicing? I'd assume the, the set's right got to be safe because of all the other shows, but like. They also part- lost a, a, um, someone in the crew this past year. Oh, that's right. Um, some, like, what was it? A, a crane, like bucket fell on them or something. Something. Uh, she got hit in the head. Yep. She wow. was underneath it and uh, yeah, something happened and they got hit in the head and it killed them. So hmm, maybe it is the set. I don't know. Um, I don't know. That's a bummer though. That that has been a, a fun show. I, I'm also a couple things. She says it doesn't have to do with injuries from the show. She's only made one statement so far, and everyone's just basically running, running with, with that. it. Mm. Um, I think there's also the possibility that have learned not to trust Berlanti's crew whenever they make any sort of announcements like this. I, I haven't uh, seen yeah, the I last, like I haven't seen the last episode, so I don't know how the season ended. So I don't know what's, you know. What exactly is going? What's going on storyline wise? Um, right. But they've apparently though it's official. Like she has quit. Okay. And they're already talking about recasting. Yeah. Wow. Which you would have to since you've already renewed the series. Um. Yeah. Well, man. Hmm. Wow, that's weird. That, that is a shame. Like, I remember when we first heard about her casting, um, there was, a, I think there was some pause given. It's like, ah, she doesn't seem quite right for the role, but she's this, but at least this. And I think she's done a, a uh, I think she's done a great job with the role. Yeah. Well, I remember like, I remember there were people that were giving the casters beef that are like, oh, great, you cast a lesbian woman, but she's not Jewish. I'm like, look, I get you want to like be in line, but like eventually it's it's going to get harder and harder to you really cast against on character type. Right. It's, like, it's like, you know what? The fact that they cast, an, an, you know, someone who, although I think by Ruby's own admission, she's bi or, or pan, but, but either way, mm-hmm. they didn't cast a straight woman to play... Kate Kane is no. still a, a pretty big fucking deal for major network TV, which it shouldn't be, but it is still, it seems like. Um, yeah. Uh, it's I think too bad. What will be interesting is not only will they have to find a, a an actor that has, can uh, bring the same level of chemistry to the Batwoman set and the Batwoman cast, but they're going to have to test her against Melissa Benoist and Grant Gustin. Right. And uh, Katie Lotz, because you've got to also interact with those <clears throat> actors as well, even though you're not on the same show. Yeah. Well, even but, though they're, I thought they weren't really going to do crossovers anymore. They're, they're not going to yeah. do crossovers, but, but yeah, it's still likely that we'll see so-and-so show up in this episode and so-and-so show up in this, this series. Right. Um, I'm still waiting to see if they're going to go ahead and do the the full on uh, 
John Diggle as Green Lantern in one of the other series. Oh, right. Right. Um, Which, by the way, today, Green Lantern's 80th anniversary. Oh. Oh. Happy 80th birthday, Green Lantern. I like how you said that. Happy 80th birthday, Green Lantern. I'm fine. It's actually, uh, this is some not inside baseball. We've had Michael Ring on the show many times. But I think it's appropriate that on the week that comics ship and Bridge City mm-hmm. Comics is going to start getting new comics is also Green Lantern's birthday. Yep. So it's, like a, it's a special treat for Michael Ring. I placed my order today. Things are aligning in the universe. That's right. We are shifting into the brightest day. Are we? <laughs> Shh, Cable, don't ruin this for me. <laughs> I mean, we are. We are. Uh. Don't. Bring me yeah. down, Cable. Apparently, Dave Filoni was a director on nine episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender. Who knew? I, I didn't know. I never finished the series, so. Uh, uh, wait, how many episodes? I, I haven't started yet. Nine so of we, them. I can't do that. Mm. That's a goodly chunk for only being a three-season show. Well, and especially if that's where he, he cut his directorial teeth, I guess. I don't know. I didn't read the whole Wikipedia thing. That's just like the first thing it says. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's gonna be the. Uh... Thanks, Cable. This. When are we getting the Superman Lois show? CW. No. When? Um. Last I heard, all of them have been pushed to next January. So we aren't getting any new uh, DC superhero TV shows until January 2021. <laughs> I've been reminded in the chat that if you're feeling bad, Jackie Daytona says, drink your problems away because I am a human from Arizona. <laughs> I'm a human from Arizona. Nice. Gotta, gotta really get that. Mm. Is everyone caught up with that, with what we do in the shadows? If you watch it. Uh, uh, cable. I should I, be. Uh, the last I've been doing a lot of other things. That's uh, true. Yeah, you uh, have yeah Cable's busy. Busy Cable is busy. Well, when you get ready, watch Jackie Daytona. Uh, he pours a regular human beer uh, up against Mark Hamill. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I'm going to do this uh, say, diplomatically. Say, say how you want. This is diplomatic. Um, as as I left it on Sunday. Um, Guardian Games was on its way to opening up again uh, as early as this week. Oh, look, and now I have a dog. Yay! Irma is meeting someone at the, or Merrick is meeting someone at the door, so Irma is going to hang out with me for a second. Hi! <laughs> and, and punch me in the face. Why you punch me in the face, dog? So, oh, uh... So yes, you you may be able to go into into Guardian Games soon. I love you guys. I won't be. Good. We still have curbside service available, so that you can place your order online, or and uh, then we will either call you for payment or send you a PayPal invoice. Please select PayPal invoice. It's much easier on everybody involved. That's all I use. I use my first order. I use PayPal because I. Yes. We have two phone lines, and if they are both going, we still monitor at least another six calls coming in while we're talking to one person on the phone. Phone calls are the worst. They are. Hi. Uh, 
That's what I meant. So the other thing we're doing on the show today is we're going to review comics again, he says, <laughs> uh, 45 minutes into the show. <laughs> we had an important news about beans to talk about. No, yeah, no, I'm good with that. We me, me first. Yeah, Over we, here. Me first and the beanie beanies. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Cable, for laughing. That was that good. Time. That <laughs> no, was I really love it. good. I like that. That's because I'm married to a Ska fan. Slick. Oh. Buddy. Oh, that's right. You don't actually like Ska very much, do you? No, no. Buddy, but okay. she knows that. I forget that. It's okay, but that also was from one of my favorite episodes of what we do in the shadows, though, when uh, what's her name kills the guy in the ska band when she turns invisible. <laughs> and when he's being it's dragged okay. off the stage by an invisible force, you actually hear someone in the band say, Pick it up, pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> now that's uh, a good, a great, terrible ska pun, a ska pun. And then they got skanking in the mosh pit. Mm-hmm. Yes, but yeah. Yeah, me first and the beanie beanies. I need a poster of that. I know someone who can make it. We'll is talk it about it. It's not me, is it? <laughs> no, I mean, okay, technically, technically she's already kind of working for her, but like, I think she's, I don't know. Are you being paid? Oh, um, I get paid in postage. I get, I get reimbursed in postage. Full disclosure, so everyone knows that uh, my wife, Jen, has been making masks. Uh, so Bean has been the business side of that. If, if you received your mask quickly, it's because of Bean. Jen, Jen has been the one who makes, who sews the masks, Bean distributes. It's, Call that it's logistics. Very, yes, it's, it's very easy work, but it gets me to, get, gets me some, gives me something to do every day. Um... Well, and when you're doing a lot, the last thing you want to do is like manage the books and track orders. So I know as someone right. who has sent out many orders himself on his own projects, if I had someone else to do it, that would hey, be awesome. It's okay, mm. Doc. Brad, Honestly, I could, I could do more. Like I know she, I know that she goes in and adds in the inventory after she makes it before she sends it to me. Little, little things. It's, it's all fine though. And she, she paid me and it was way too much. So she need not she needn't do it again. Well, she's she's still gonna. I know. Anyway. Uh hang on a second. Brad, I can't type at the moment. Uh we're still not set up to ship at Guardian Games. I know, oh wait, buddy. really? No, we never have huh. been. That's uh that's another one of those I huh. need to I've been trying to figure out the logistics on that. That oh, means for like the last like okay, eight years, of, like Go. some of the commercials have just been bullshit. I'm like, and Guardian can send you your game if you don't live in Portland. No, we can't. Oh. We are not set up for shipping. Well, we've had <laughs> this conversation once before. Fooled you. There is a bunch. <laughs> there are a bunch of logistical things behind the scene at Guardian that have not been followed through on, and. I can only do so much work in a day and I can only argue or try to champion certain things more than others so many times in a week. Fair enough. Yep. I would, we I are would, looking for a new general manager. Don't want it. Nope. <laughs> nope. No, because then you have to put up with my ass. Whew, definitely yeah. don't want that. That's not even nope. it, man. It's... And I mean no disrespect to anyone who works in retail. I spent almost a decade in retail, if you add it all up, and I will 
I will do many other things before I get behind that fucking counter ever again. <laughs> Granted, five of those years were Walmart years, so those are like dog years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's bad. It's all bad. I know. By the way, you have to vamp for me. Why? What's wrong? I have to go check something. Okay. Well, we'll just we'll just do this without you. Go. Just say go you on. You'll be right back. No, wait. It's a family thing. Oh, okay. okay. Things. Okay, but we don't have to vamp. We can just talk about stuff. Um, so, Cable, did you get a chance to watch those Avatar episodes? I most certainly did not. Ah, I, I have, I have been it, so with the the closure uh, mm-hmm. of you know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Merrick and I have delved deep into cleaning and decluttering uh, the gallery, uh, which means also I've spent a lot of time in our storage unit down in the basement, clearing it out so we can move other things from here that we are not actively using, but still want to keep into the storage unit and then get rid of things that we don't need. So that oh, is- Oh yeah, that's, that takes up a lot of mental and physical bandwidth yes. for sure. And that's been after I come home after about eight, nine hours at Guardian where I'm a personal shopper to people. So I haven't been able to watch Avatar yet. Uh, I am going to try and make more of a, uh, make more time for it in this coming Mm -hmm. week so I can be a little more caught up and we can discuss this and see if my opinions about the show have changed since Greg gave me shit about it last week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, Nothing puts a fire under me than, than things like, you know, Things like Greg going, really, mood? That's how you feel? It's like, God damn it. <laughs> fine, fine. Like, I, don't, I, I talk less on the show when he's here because there are a lot of things that he just comes out of his mouth. I'm like, yeah, I was, I was going to say that. Now I don't want to sound like I'm just copying you. So <laughs> It happens. Yeah. What about you, Aaron? Did you watch, uh, you were here the whole time. Did you watch those uh, episodes of Avatar? I did not. Okay, I see. I, I see how it is. Um, well, in that case, uh, rather than me rambling on about we it We can't all myself, just sit around and watch TV all the time. That's I not all have, I do. I still have stuff to do. I still have a contract to fulfill. I go to the post office like every day, man. Okay. <laughs> no, that's fine. In that case, let's just push it off until next week. Well, next week uh, we have a guest. God damn it! Although not, for, but only the first segment. So next week we're going to have Bill Oakley on. Oh, oh right on! Yeah, we'll talk about uh, his his transition from Emmy award winning Simpsons writer to fast food reviewer of the stars. <laughs> I mean, those are, those two things are pretty comparable, aren't they? No, they actually it's pretty fun watching his stuff. I I think he enjoys it. I think um, maybe what we should do, and maybe I'll reach out to him, maybe we do a malt liquor taste test. He's a yeah, connoisseur. What could possibly go wrong He's a there. connoisseur of malt liquor. Okay, but does that mean that he's like, like, I think we, it would be fun to do it all together, but that would require like a shopping list, and that way we can all go out and buy these things. Yeah. I'll, I'll drop him a time. line and see how he feels about it, because he might actually have a meeting right after the show, so he probably shouldn't show up drunk. Like, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Ah, right oh, Fine. But I think I think that we should encourage him to not have other plans, and we can all just get Blotto together. On well, the- there's a reason why he's only doing one segment because he has other plans. I think that's rubbish. 
as we've established, I have nothing better to do. So I just hey, I, I'm the one out here trying to get, just all get drunk together. I'm not here the one trying to get guests. Hey, I talked to getting a guest. Who'd you talk to? I talked to Greg. <laughs> oh. You Dude, I've been I've been after after Appa this whole time. Okay. See, that that's yeah. I, we're all, we're our, all trying uh, here. Bean, you should reach out to Kelly Sue again. Um. Yeah, I can do that. Okay. There we go. Lindsay will get drunk with me. Classy. On the show next week. Oh no! Whenever. I'll do it. That's fine. Whenever. Whenever. Whenever I say, that's when. Oh man, yeah, we, yeah, you know what, Kevin's right. We could try to get Stephanie Strickland on again. That'd be fun. Oh, that's right. She's we, having we, a rough time right now. You should message her right now. Uh, no. <laughs> no, apparently uh, the, the, everyone heard about the, the Canadian jet that went down in Vancouver, BC. No. Uh, apparently that was one of her friends was one of the pilots. Oh, wow. So she's really that's... involved in a lot of air shows. Yeah, and she so, is. Apparently, one of the the plane that went down, the jet that went down, was piloted by one of her friends. I think so. I, I don't know if that's exactly the story, but yeah. Yikes! She's having a yeah. I haven't heard anything it. about that. Yeah. Also, I thought Canada would be better than wasting money on jet flyovers, but because it's a waste of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- I th- these days, but I don't think anyone is immune to the idiocy. Uh, as Jackie Daytona says, yes, well, I'm trying to get Kevin Smith still. Kevin Smith or Mark Bernardin, the guy, other person who co-hosts uh, Batman Beyond with him. Actually, Mark would be fun because he's also a really fun uh, TV writer. Hmm. Uh, he wrote some of the episodes of Castle Rock. Huh. Um, he's uh, Bean, remember when we interviewed Trisha Helfer and we talked about the Battlestar podcast she does? Yes. She co-hosts with him, with Mark Bernardin. Okay. Okay. Oh, so then he also worked on Battlestar. No, he w- actually he was a he was a writer for Entertainment Weekly when Battlestar came on the air. Mm-hmm. And this was a lot of people forget this when Battlestar debuted, no one fucking talked about it, except for like a couple of yeah, no one talked about it. It was like this show that no one watched. And really? Yeah, Mark Bernardin was one of the guys on Entertainment Weekly started doing weekly recaps of oh, the show. Okay. So when you say no one was talking about it, no one in the media was talking about it. No one in media was talking about it. No, because I remember... Because everyone in Portland was talking about it. Yeah, but I don't know if people remember this. So when Trey Parker and Matt Stone won their Emmy for South Park, mm. this would have been probably like six months into Battle BSG season one. Their entire speech was about how everyone was screwing up not watching Battlestar Galactica. They said, oh, this is a great award. Also... They were like, thank you for the Academy. Uh, how come none of you are watching Battlestar Galactica? It's the greatest show on television right now. You need to watch it. Please watch it. It's important TV. Uh, also, thanks Comedy Central. Good night. Like, that was their speech. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. Apparently, that gave Battlestar a pretty good boost. I, I do appreciate the, what the two of them do creatively. Like, I go back and forth on them, man. Like... I think in their their personal politics, they can be a little dickish, but from what they do as creators and what they do for the creative community, I get. Yeah. Do you, ever watch, the doc, do you ever watch the documentary One Week to Air? No. Oh my God. It's about, they, basically, they follow, a crew follows them around for one episode of South Park. And that shit goes from writer's room to broadcast in a week. 
I remember hearing about that, but I never got around to watching it. I don't even know where it's streaming anymore, but it was fascinating to watch how they pull that off. Even with more modern technology, it's still, no matter how primitive the, an- the animation is on that show, and it's hella primitive. Like, that's but that's still- part of the shtick. It's yeah. part of the shtick. That's still a lot of work. Like literally in the in that documentary, like you see them and they eventually they put like a clocker, like a clock timer on the screen. And it's counting down until the satellite feeds are going to broadcast live from Comedy Central. And you see them, you see some four fucking, four, poor fucking PA running down the hallway, handing like the big ass disc that plugs into the satellite feed. And they hit upload and they go, and then you see him talking about like, don't glitch, don't glitch, don't glitch. The show goes up with like three minutes to spare. And apparently that happens on almost a weekly basis, or at least as of when that documentary aired. Um, they talk about how like the, the animators will watch the writers because the writer's room of South Park is this glass built room mm-hmm. that everyone can see inside. And the animators talk about how stressful it is when either everyone's doing this at the table because they know that they've got a problem and they can't fix it, or if they're all running around laughing because that realizes that that's when they realize they're doing something fun, but no work's getting done. Oh, animators want to see our heads down and one person pointing at the whiteboard and people typing. Uh. They're like, that's when we know that we're going to go home and see our families this week. <laughs> Super. Yeah. Well, then don't be down there. So, <laughs> sorry, I'm yelling at the dog. No, no, I was just thinking. So, after almost two months, we get to do a comic review. Yay! Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. Should we jump into that? Yes. Comic time. And this is a perfect time to take a break and give a special shout out to our sponsors. First up, of course, is Bridge City Comics with some good news. Uh, Comics have landed today, Wednesday, May 20th. There are new comics in your comic book shop, which means you need to place your order online at (laughs) bridgecitycomics.com. I do believe they are still keeping the doors closed or being very limited to letting in just like one person at a time. But um, every week they will be putting up uh, the new comic listing that you can just order from a Google a Google sheet, a Google form, and they can take a card, I believe, over the phone or through PayPal. By the way, use PayPal. It makes their life much easier. Um, but uh, yeah, I know I placed my order for my books yesterday and I will be picking them up either today or tomorrow. They can ship them to your house for a small fee. They can deliver them, I do believe, for free, but that takes a little bit longer. They're only a couple folks. Or you can pick it up on the curbside for very low and almost contact-free uh, comic delivery. So, um, you know, show them some some love there. They've been having to weather some hard times, and even though new books are shipping, it doesn't mean that they are out of the woods yet, as it, as it were. So, uh, yeah, pick up some books. And uh, maybe on the notes there, when it says any additional comments, you can say, hey, thanks for uh, sponsoring Geek in the City Radio. We've been, we've been there with you since the beginning, so thanks. There it is. And also, uh, you heard Cable talking about how Guardian Games is starting to plan a slow reopening uh, for folks who want to come in and pick up games or, or cards 
you know, or miniatures or dice or whatever. Um, they are, I believe, still going to do curbside pickup for those of you that don't feel safe going out in public yet. And I totally understand. Um, same things happen in there. You just go to the Guardian Games website and or you just email Guardian Games ask for what kind of role-playing game or board game or whatever you're looking for. If they have it, they will write back. If you want it, they will call back and ask for your credit card information and then schedule a pickup. It couldn't be easier. That way, uh, as the state uh, slowly reopens, for better or worse, you can still uh, make sure you're still staying safe and getting your games and your comics in while supporting good nerd businesses and uh, while you're enjoying your comic and, uh, you know, your games, you can always toss back a Tasty Reb Nats that we keep thanking for helping us out with all this equipment during these uh, social distancing days. And also, um, you know, hopefully soon we're all going to get a chance to pop into Asylum again over at uh, Hawthorne, crossing the Baghdad Theater. Be nice to say hi to Anton and Deb. You can always say hi to them on Facebook, so uh, check them out. And with all that, let's get back to Geek in the City Radio. Uh, do we want to talk about just the new new or uh, kind of cover all three? I mean, maybe we just cover all three as one general review. Because sure. he did send all of it. So Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So this week, uh, issue three of D&D Infernal Tides comes out from uh, IDW. Mm-hmm. Uh, written, written by, go written ahead. by uh, Jim Zub. And... <laughs> And art by opening. Art by Max Dunbar. Thank you. Yours open fast. Uh, with colors by Sebastian Chang and letters by Neil. I'm going to mess this up. Uyataki? That's good. Uyataki. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, hi, so, uh, so, for a couple years now, IDW has had. <laughs> Actually, for a while, since fourth edition, IDW has had the license rights to the D&D comics. And as a rule, they've been actually pretty solid fantasy comics to read. Mm -hmm. uh, very approachable, uh, especially if you're a D&D player. Um, they make a point of working in settings and spells. And like, if you're a D&D player and you see someone do something, you're like, oh, I know what that attack is, or I know what that spell is. Okay. So it's been the first time in a long time, actually, that D and D has been able to incorporate its own game within comics and be a decently seamless merging. And starting a few years ago, when they brought on Jim Zub to to write the D and D comics for IDW, they've started incorporating basically story arcs that are in line with Wizards of the Coast. So, like they've done they've done a Ravenloft arc when Curse of Strahd came out, and now right now it's the uh, the descent into hell. So, with the Avernus stuff. Um, so, the current arc of D&D &D is called Infernal Tides, and it's all about the heroes, basically, where hell shows up. So, um, Yeah. So, the first, uh, the first issue kind of just establishes the setting. It gets new readers used to the concept of the Blood War, uh, which is an old-school D&D &D thing where the demons and the devils are fighting in the underworld to control everything basically um it kind of establishes that but you don't get a lot of character growth in the first couple of uh issues they just kind of throw you right into it um the yes. one thing i yeah and the one thing and jump in whenever you guys want to but the one thing i will say is 
with these current D&D comics, something that I really appreciate is it feels like these characters speak like you're at the gaming table. Um, not quite to the kind of raunchy levels that, that Rat Queens was back in the day, mm-hmm. but it still feels like these are players. These are lines you would deliver as a player in your, in your character's voice. Yes, there's, uh, there's that one guy who's like acting a little harder than everybody else. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, generally speaking, it's not, um, it doesn't feel too, uh, I don't know, what's the word here? Like archaic or like overly intentional. But right. it, you, it, it does have that vibe of like, this is me giving dialogue as another character. That's not me. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't want to give too much of the story away. It's um, the one thing I will say about Infernal Tides and really about all of the D&D comics that has come out from IDW within the last few years is they move along at a pretty fast pace. They uh-huh. clip along really well. So there's not a lot of time spent on, there's not a lot of downtime, which I think actually lends itself to the idea of a D&D comic because with some exception, you don't ever get together with your friends and role play the time when your characters are just sitting around the tavern and doing nothing for three weeks. <laughs> you know, who wants to role play that? I mean, it's one thing to role play an evening at the tavern or an evening at the local house of, you know, sin or whatever. Sure. But three weeks? No. So, and the <laughs> books kind of reflect that. They move along at that kind of clipped pace. And this uh, Infernal Tides arc is... It's no different. And almost to its detriment, um, it moves really fast. Um, the what do you think would be gained if it was a longer than a four-issue miniseries? I think if they added one more issue, it was five issues. Mm-hmm. The one thing that would be gained is you could kind of get to know the, quote, PCs more. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I will say is that this four-issue arc of Infernal Tides makes the assumption that you already know who the primary player characters are. It makes the assumption that you've been there for the other arcs. There is an introduction scene, but it's to it's it's quick. And it's, it's a quick. couple pages in after like a whole, you know, a whole sequence of action and stuff has taken place. I didn't right. realize, I don't know how I missed it, but I was not aware that it's a four issue miniseries. And that's a little disappointing because I feel like <clears throat> the end of issue three is where you're like, okay, here we go. This is the story. Yeah. Now we're going to get into it. But then there's only one issue left. It's like how much more story can you tell at that point? Right. That's kind of how I felt too. I was like, oh my, well, issue three, this, when we just read issue three, it felt like the, it's that whole, like, this is the darkest moment. So now the next two issues will be the denouement, the climax and they're like, in the final issue next month. I'm like, really? The final one? You got yeah, a lot of that's... shit to cover in one issue. <laughs> yeah, but there's something that also about this that also feels like it is, this is a four-issue miniseries in a series of four-issue miniseries. Yes. Like, they, they reference Baldur's Gate, uh, which I'm sure was another miniseries. I think the first guys. one was Baldur's Gate. Okay. Yeah. So... Like, I, I've never read these comics before. I don't play D&D regularly. I know who Min- Minx and Boo are. 
Right. So, yeah. like, the, there are recognizable characters. Okay. Uh, that that, that kind of gives it a bit of a pass to know that, like, I mean, I, 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 I was clear that they've had previous adventures, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't realize that we, as the, as the reader, were privy to those. Um, and it does imply that you do get to see these characters again um, on a different adventure. Um, it still feels very segmented, though, in, in, in that, knowing that. That's, that's where it also ties into being D&D. Like, when you finish one campaign, you start another. Right. Right. Yeah, um, I mean, but that's, it's the same characters, that, yeah. minus that one guy that kept sticking his finger into traps when you told him to stop. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to think, uh, since Jim Sub has been writing it, I think, I think basically they've done... I think the arcs that they have done has been um, Tyranny of Dragons, uh, The Storm Giant's Wrath, Curse of Strahd, and now Infernal Tides. So some of their so some of the biggest Wizards of the Coast arcs have been turned into D and D books. So, and it's also and it is kind of fun if you are someone that has a regular D and D group that you know kind of goes all in on the stuff that Wizards puts out. It's kind of fun to read the adventures alongside as you're, you, you, you recognize things. That's sure. kind of fun within the comic as you read it. So I can give that appreciation as well. Um, I personally, uh, I enjoy the kind of chaotic style of the art. I like that at times it doesn't feel all that refined, but it has that sense of, it has that sense of motion and kind of chaos that can happen at the gaming table. And I know that seems odd to hear where you're like, well, it's just friends sitting around the table. How can it be chaotic? Well, it's like, there's times where like you're moving miniatures around the DMs describing something and the players are saying, I want to do this. Like, even though it's still just paper and pen and yeah, it's theater of the mind. Yeah. And, and the art really captures that. Um, and sometimes it jumps around and it shifts angles that, maybe kind of break the rules of conventional art, but for a book about D&D, I think it actually plays to the game's strengths and it plays to the strengths of the narrative of D&D, so. No, I agree. I, I thought that the art on this was just right for the material. Um, you, you get a good sense of action. It You can distinguish characters from one another, even if I didn't le- learn their names for a while. Um, yeah. you You can still tell who's who you can you can feel you can see the action and um oh i lost my train of thought there was like one other thing that i wanted to to praise about the art itself well and there's well i think what i'll add in if you want to jump in whenever you remember it like there's mm-hmm. if you read a D book i think you need to when you're reading it especially if you know the game you need to be able to recognize certain things so like when a devil or a demon shows up on the page it can't be a double or demon from mythology. It has to look like a double or a demon that you would see in the monster manual. Mm-hmm. If a knight is writing a nightmare, that nightmare better look like a nightmare from the player's handbook. If you're going to drop chain demons on me, I want them to make me like, oh yeah, that's a fucking chain demon from the monster manual. And the artist does that without ever sacrificing story over franchise likeness. And that's not always the easiest thing to do. 
And uh, the artist does that for me. And the colorist, they both bring a real strong vibrancy to this title, to this book. The colors uh, too, they add a lot of vibrancy. Uh, I really like the way that the magic stuff is uh, vis uh, visually put into place. Like mm. when, when, whenever someone casts a spell or when someone has had a spell cast upon them, uh, just like the way that you can visually see the change in yeah. what, like slow. How do you show in a 2D non-live That was format super cool. That mm -hmm. someone has had slow cast upon them. I and also, part of that's also the, the letterer also who creates the the uh, the word balloons to, to show that also. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say, Cable? Um, so a couple things. Um, I pulled up uh, Jim Zub's biography. Uh, first, he's also uh, one of the lead writers on the campaign guide for Descent into Avernus. He is. He's also the creator of Skull Kickers. Yes. I'm not familiar with either of these titles. Uh, Skull Kickers being you might like. So Skull Kickers is D&D, &D, but turned to 11. And Descent into Avernus is an actual campaign guide for 5th edition. Okay. Yeah. It's an official one. It's Baldur's Gate Descent into Aver Avernus. Uh, I, I've always last. heard the review of Descent into Avernus as Mad Max goes to hell. Yeah. <laughs> Which explains why, so basically what we're seeing in this comic is his version of him putting his players through this campaign. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you should say that because uh, the Mad Max thing, because there was definitely some scenes in issue one that I felt, I was like, oh, someone's been watching Fury Road. A car? So that's an actual miniature you can buy at Guardian Games. Mm-hmm. The vehicle? Yep. Yeah. Um, not just the vehicle, but sort of that whole universe, I guess. The, so apparently, is it hell? Is it's hell, right? Wizards, yeah. Wizards was pretty upfront about that. They're like, no, we wanted the PCs to be Mad Max in hell. Like they didn't hide it. They're like, nope, that's what it is. Yeah. So. Well, that's that's exactly <laughs> how it came out. <laughs> yeah. So point two, um, Denise, this is it is a. This is the fifth mini series in a series. Oh, there's the there it is. Nice, Greg. Thank you. Of oh, course. Yeah. that's big too. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, yeah it's it's quite the doorstop. <laughs> um, so in 2014 is when this started with Dungeons and Dragons Legends of Baldur's Gate mini series. Okay. Was followed by Shadows of the Vampire in 2016, Frost Giant's Fury in 2017. Evil at Baldur's Gate in 2018. And th mm. this is brings me to point three. It has Infernal Tides listed as a five-issue miniseries. But it was Weird. also dated for 2019, which means he wrote it in 2019, and they're just now getting it out. Yeah, I actually, if... the uh, the issue three has you know uh, additional ads and stuff in the back, and I, something caught my eye, and so I doubled back to the the issue information at the front, mm -hmm. and this the issue three it was dated for a January release. Okay. So yeah, so yeah. you know things happened. What things? What happened? I'm huh. kidding. Something I'm happened. Kidding. What? Oh, Jim Zub is also responsible for the Rick and Morty Dungeons and Dragons yep. uh, mini, which I still haven't read. It's fun. Oh my god, it's good. It's I know, good. I know, no, it's like it's like right, literally, it's here, like right next to me. I just haven't. 
I was. I'm always buying, on some other bullshit. Yeah, I was buying the single issues for a coworker who was really into Rick and Morty, and mm-hmm. I would read through them as I was giving to him. I'm like, son of a bitch, I'm gonna buy this thing, aren't I? It's like uh, I, I heard amazing good. things. I just I haven't super watched fun. any Rick and Morty, but it was so good. Um, and that he was the co-writer on that because he was writing it with Patrick Rothfuss. Ah, right. right. Um, I forgot. I, I forgot any details. Apparently, he did both the the, the first one and the second one, uh, Rick and Morty versus D and D two, Painscape, and then he was the uh, co creator or co writer on the Rick and Morty box set for D and D fifth edition. Yeah. So he's been working back and forth with both Wizards of the Coast and IDW, always working on D and D. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and IDW is also, um, don't they do the uh, the Dresden Files comic book series? Don't they own that too? Yes. Yeah. I thought that actually was Dynamite. Is that? Google link stuff while we're on the show. No, it's Aspen. Aspen? Yeah. That must be a change from... That looks like Aspen. No, Dynamite. It's Dynamite. It's Dynamite. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's it's Dynamite. You're right. It is. Weird. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, Because I was thinking, I'm like, IDW, what what do they do that I even like? Not th- I, don't, uh, I don't mean that as a dig. I was just trying to like remember. Their, uh, their Trek books are really good. <laughs> okay. They I are. haven't read any of their Trek stuff. Their Trek stuff's pretty solid. And granted, you have to be a Transformers fan, but their Transformers comics are really fucking tight. I could really take it or leave it on Transformers. They're, they're really well written. They're the the um, animated Star Trek uh, crossover with... Oh my the god! Transformers Generation One cartoon, so good. Some of the best reading. It's so great. So wow. much fun. G One um, Transformers and seventies animated Trek. I like, want that Enterprise oh. Transformers so bad. Yeah, <laughs> like the, Scotty and and the team of engineers turn the Enterprise into a giant transforming robot, controlled. Yeah. By Jim Kirk from the captain's chair. In like a, in like a <laughs> Professor X headgear. Yeah, it's all set up to his head, so he has to think like a Transformer. It's it so good. Glorious. And so then you good. watch him beat the crap out of Megatron. <laughs> right. Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah. So much fun. Uh, so uh, are we recommending this title? I am. It seems like we are. I think yes. it's fun. Uh, also fun. get issues one and two. And if this is enough to wet your whistle, you know now that this is number five in a series of miniseries yeah. following these same characters. And the trades are very likely all at Bruce City Comics right now. That I'll bet they are. I bet I can go to the website right now. I will oh, also recommend... Right, you can even do though, that now. I will also recommend, even though it was fourth edition, which doesn't change the story, um, uh, the John Rogers D&D from IDW when it was fourth edition is phenomenal. Like legit some of the best fantasy comics you will ever read. Wow. Oh, it's, it's so good. It is so damn good. Um, there was a time when I managed at TIFA. I think I had like 60 box customers reading D&D 
And if you run a comic book shop, you know that those are crazy numbers for a D&D comic. <laughs> okay. Uh, he's also the guy that created, I think he created Jaime Reyes for Blue. I think he created Jaime Reyes. John Rogers? Yes, I think you're right. So yeah, the Blue Beetle for DC. Yeah, because he was writing for the long, he wrote it for the longest time too. Yeah, and he's a co-creator on Leverage. He was a writer on Leverage, but uh, yeah, he's a, he's a comic book guy. So really, basically for the last decade, IDW has put out some really solid D&D stuff. And then if you want to torture yourself, they've reprinted a lot of the stuff from like DC, which are fun, but they're so wanky. Not, not going down that rabbit hole. No, it's not that it's tied into DC. This was just D&D comics in the 80s. And there were no good fantasy comics in the 80s unless it was Warlord or Conan. <laughs> maybe maybe ElfQuest? ElfQuest. The, yes, but Elf, with the caveat that ElfQuest is its own thing. It's weird. Yes, it is. Uh, it all depends on how you feel about bearded elves. Weird. Yeah. About the same as I feel about... No, 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 I want to know. And yes, Talina, IDW does Winona Earp. Yeah. Yeah. That is a, a guilty pleasure television series of mine. If there Man, I love me there. some... Oh, I love that show. It is such trash. Um, <laughs> but You gotta love that show that's like, I think I might be a lesbian, but I'm not sure yet. I'm gonna watch Winona Earp and double check. <laughs> and then after two episodes, and look, Talita, like, oh, she's nodding. Nope, she's like, yep, oh, yep, 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 yep. Definitely a lesbian. I, oh, yeah, I, no, I can Winona say that Earp after watching like, the entirety of what's out right now for Winona Earp, I am a lesbian. So, Yeah, Winona Earp is the sapphic gateway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it is, like, 20%, and that, that's being very generous, 20% of the, or conservative is of that show is just very pretty people in various stages of undress. And both leather men pants. and women. I do enjoy that. Yeah. And leather pants and six shooters. Uh-huh. There, and there is a There's a fight scene in the second season between Winona Earp and Rachel Skarsten, who plays Alice on Batwoman. Um, where huh. Rachel Scarston is wearing nothing but underwear. Yep. And that fight scene lasts, I want to say it's 10 minutes long. <laughs> it's like, huh, you're just, you're turning right into this. You got away with season one and went, yeah, you know how we're going to start this season? Underpants. Yeah. And did. There's a lot of, there's a lot of belly shirts, but with like, with scars on your belly. Like, you're like, ah, I'm so sexy. But also I mean, look at me. If but also, could... but it's but it's also but it's like swords and then six shooters. So it's like yeah. ah. the, the um one of the characters' last name is H A U G H T, and she's a cop, which means her name is Officer Hot. Uh... I am not kidding. Yeah, they don't they don't hide much. Also, yeah. she is she is totally Officer Hot. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so just like one hundred percent, just guilty pleasure show. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. trash. It it uh, it takes itself as about as seriously as Legends of Tomorrow. Well, you're kind of selling me on this, even though I feel like someone had already established to me previously that this is not a show I need. Well, personally, it's, you don't need it's it. It's not a great show, but it is. But it's fun. 
this mean, is fun. This is kind of an average image from that show. Oh, look, she was almost hung. I'm going to kill the bad guy, and then we're going to make out. Say, this is... They're not going to make out. They're sisters, dude. That's you know what I mean. I was going to say, um, they're all dressed. This is not what I was promised. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, but never mind. <laughs> it's fine. No, it's it's really fine. I have enough other bullshit I, I lose time on, and also all of the good stuff that I wish I were watching. How do you do the sharing thing? Uh, share screen. It's at the bottom of the your bottom, options. It should be a green. It's at the very bottom between share chat. Screen. Oh, there we go. Yay! Thanks. Cable will show us the sexy. It's like one this, of my. It's like one of my favorite. This is functions. more in line with like what Winona will re- wear into battle. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's not practical. No, no, it's not. But it makes her feel sexy, so she'll go wear that. Yeah. Um, and oh, it, so they acknowledge you're like, no, this is not a great outfit, <clears throat> oh, but, yeah, I, I, but yeah. it makes me feel hot. So this is what I'm going to wear. Because she's going to go to the club afterwards. This redhead is Officer Hot. <laughs> she's okay. Kind of looks like a postal worker right there, but what's yeah, wrong with it, postal workers? It's not a, it's not a great. They're not show. known for their sexy uniforms. Have you not seen the postal with Kevin Costner? Anyway. We're, we're not. We're, we're done. How do we're I do actually, this. I don't know. Uh, just oh, hit the button or stop, stop share. share. <laughs> oh, Took me a second. <clears throat> oh, sorry. You know who thinks she's sexy? Jackie Daytona. <laughs> oh yeah, Jackie Daytona. I would also recommend. Uh, I I agree with Jackie Daytona. Also watch Dark Matter. Mm-hmm. It is one. more trashy sci-fi. Um, one of the stars of that is um, oh, I'm blanking. Zoe Palmer, who is from another tra- like the trashy trifecta of shows is Winona Earp, Dark Matter, and um, Lost Girl. All Canadian shows. All like it's this a lot fucking all, Lost Girl, man. All female led and all immensely sexy. Lost Girl doesn't even try to hide the point of that one. Because that's a banshee that has to get her power by fucking, right? Not not a banshee. (laughs) Not a banshee. It's a succubus. A succubus. Yeah. (laughs) It's a show about a succubus. By the way, there's apparently apparently unrated episodes of Banshee. Banshee or Lost Girl? Or Lost Girl. So they film it for regular broadcast, but apparently they film extra scenes for when it goes out on DVD or for paid or for paid cable. So there's apparently extra sexy episodes of Lost Girls. Yeah. Yep. But Zoe Palmer was in Lost Girl and then she plays an Android on, um, uh, on what's it called? Uh, Dark Matter. Sorry, I'm now I'm looking at the Necromancy Cosmetica webpage again. Oh, sorry, I was on the I was in the chat. I got distracted. I lo- I love how excited Jess is. What did she say? What's she excited about? About you looking at Necromancy makeups? Uh, all the chicks want to see me wearing makeup. I think she just likes the company. They're all look at. They're all like, mm-hmm, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Here I'm sharing again. This is uh, the cast of Lost Girl. Yep. Yes, it is cable. Yes, and it is. What is um? This is the lead. She's the she's the succubus. This is a scientist that is also her girlfriend, and this is her sidekick. 
who is my girlfriend? Mm, yeah. <laughs> there, there is a, um, there's a gif that you can find of uh, that character just Sorry. in a hula hoop, just hula hooping. It's mesmerizing. Sorry. I know that unless you listen to the show live on Zoom now, you're missing all this, but Jackie Daytona has been firing one-liners off all night long that have been hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I accidentally... Uh, I feel like Norm from Texas has finally found his calling, and he is Jackie Daytona. <laughs> Ooh, ancient queen. I, I bet My you can put lipstick. that costume together pretty easily, Norm. Um, yeah, he's over here, like, making jokes, and I'm trying to reply back, and I accidentally... Uh, privately message to Lena about butt stuff. <laughs> well, good job. I, good job. I, I did put it back in the public chat no, though. So it was, I it was not a, that was not a singular uh, suggestion. Just you and Talina having butt stuff. Having that, butt man. stuff. Like a, you, 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 you leave your job for 24 hours and you're just writing listeners about butt stuff. <laughs> I was trying to talk to Jackie about the male was it what what was it that you said? Uh Me? oh no no uh, nor, norm's uh norm's line it's that not norm, it's Jackie Daytona. That, yep. Yeah yes Jackie Daytona said that mail carrier could put it in my mail slot if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Hence, Kevin, hence, Kevin just reminded us stuff. we've been talking about new segments. He's like GITC butt stuff. No, <laughs> why that. did I open this door? You know what? Maybe one day I'll actually launch Geek in the City after dark, and I don't know what will happen on that show. I don't know who will co-host it with me. Jess is like, she was like, I'm in. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe Friday night we'll be Geek in the City after dark. I don't know what Talina we're gonna do. The bean. Butt stuff. Butt stuff. Well, on that note, we should wrap up the show. Uh, probably. All right. Well, get a, uh, get a quick nap in before uh, Geek in the City After Dark. Wait, are we doing it tonight? <laughs> I mean, you guys can. Go nuts. I'll do it, but I have to I eat have dinner. To go to work in the morning. Uh, I, will, I will probably leave this live for a little bit, but I am going to grab dinner. Uh, that being said, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Pina Rita. And I'm Cable Hashtani. And this has been Butt Stuff. No. no, no it's it's radio. Uh, we'll talk to everybody next week. Uh, watch out for Jackie Daytona. He's huge. He's right there. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs>